Well, hi there, TJs. This is John here, your editor. I spoke to Dr. Narina Ramlakhan recently. She's a physiologist and sleep therapist. She's the author of Tired But Wired and How to Overcome Your Sleep Problems. And so we talked about things around that. We talked about thriving, how sleep is related to stress, how to be more optimistic, and how to improve your energy levels. It's an important topic for everybody at the moment. So grab that pina colada and enjoy. We're going to be talking about a number of important aspects of well-being health sleep stress those kinds of things my first question to you is about thriving so thriving is often talked about as a desired state it's above and beyond simply surviving but what do you consider to be the hallmarks of thriving how do we work towards it uh right well i think there are that you've got two questions in there but i i think that thriving is being able to cope with whatever life throws at you in, uh, and, to, and to be able to do so in a way that doesn't leave you depleted um, so that you, you have reserves, you have resources. So being able to cope with adversity or chaos in a resourceful way and with energy and maybe even with inspiration. So a lot of it is about the right type of energy and, and a degree of resourcefulness. Whereas surviving comes very much from a place of, of depletion and um, it's an adrenalized state. It's a state that is, is under-resourced. So if we're trying to survive something, usually we'll, we'll, there'll be a backlash. We'll get sick afterwards or we'll fall into exhaustion afterwards. So let's talk about sleep. Sleep is another thing which I think is coming to the fore is people realizing <laughs> after how many hundreds of years, um, is incredibly important. So uh, how is sleep related to stress? Yeah, I think, um, well, there's a reason why nature has designed us to spend a third of our lives sleeping, because it's such an important process by which we, we restore ourselves on every level, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally, um, spiritually. So we're firing on all cylinders. We have inspiration and passion for life and creativity so sleep is vital um, but stress directly can impact on our sleep for many people it affects their sleep because when we're under stress and that that means we're we're dealing with pressure with an in insufficient level of resourcing because all of us cope with pressure all the time it tips into stress when the pressure that we're under is not matched by our coping resources, then it starts to become stress. It takes its toll on your body and we start to live in the wrong part of our nervous system. And that part of the nervous system is um, the stressed part of the nervous system. It's the sympathetic nervous system. It's adrenaline, noradrenaline, cortisol, and it's the opposite to the parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest part of the nervous system that enables us to sleep. So in other words, if we're in stress mode for too long, we lose our ability to sleep or our sleep becomes very um, edgy or fitful and restless. Um, it doesn't rejuvenate us because we're living in the wrong part of our nervous system when we're under stress. So along with stress, I think it, um, I think we can, we can move on from talking about kind of the, the, um, the disaster area of stress to talking about the opposite of, of this and, and uh, talking about more about optimism. So how can we be more, uh, optimistic how can we learn to be more optimistic if it's not say a natural predisposition of us 
Yeah, and that's a great question, John, because we can learn how to be more optimistic. And in fact, I'm an example of that. So, you know, I come, I think my innate setting, my default setting is to be quite pessimistic. Um, I was certainly brought up that way. Um, so a lot of it was to do with my childhood and being brought up in a country where there were a lot of security risks. So we were always um, taught to be very careful and to look out for danger. Um, so my, I think my, my fight or flight response was constantly um, activated. I was constantly looking for things to go wrong. And that continued through half of my life until really wasn't working for me. In fact, I got very ill and it was as a result of getting ill that I started to learn how, how much um, my thoughts, how much power my thoughts had over my, re my reality and over my health. And so I became very interested in the field of, field of, uh, of positive psychology and um, the work of um, scientists like Martin Seligman, who wrote the, the book Realistic Optimism. Um, and, you know, the, the, the positive psychology scientists say that, you know, you can learn how to become more optimistic, but you really do have to work on learning it because the brain has something called a negativity bias. And that means that for our survival, our fight or flight instinct is naturally primed to look for things going wrong. And we hold on to that information very quickly. And if you think about that, in these times, like extraordinary times that we're living through at the moment with the pandemic, um, where, you know, there are constant news bulletins and there's social media and there are Twitter, Twitter feeds and all this stuff that's coming at us, telling us that the world is a bad place and things are going wrong. And, and, and there's no doubt there are some really awful things going on, heartbreaking things. But our, the, the, because of the negativity bias of the brain, we don't so easily hold on to positive information. The brain doesn't really look for it and it doesn't hold on to it. So what the scientists and, and notably the neuroscientist, Dr. Rick Hansen says, is that because of the negativity bias of the brain, one has to actively seek out positive experiences or actively choose to soak in every positive experience that you, that you experience throughout your day. So for example, after this podcast, I'm going to, I notice that the sun is out on my decking, might not last, but let's be positive about it. My dog is lying there sunning herself. I'm going to go and sit on the decking with her for a few minutes and, and stroke her. And that's going to be a, a very soothing experience for my mental health. Now, if I sit with that and, and allow myself to soak in the positive experience and to go, gosh, this is lovely. I'm, I'm, I'm with my puppy. The sun is shining on me. I'm feeling warm. I'm safe in my home. I'm relaxed. And to really allow that experience to soak into my nervous system, then it becomes a more enduring experience neurologically, if that makes sense. Because it takes microseconds to notice that something bad has happened and for the brain to remember it. But it takes about 30 to 45 seconds for a positive experience to embed itself in your nervous system in an enduring way. In other words, in a way that can measurably change your biochemistry or change the structure of your brain, which you can do, but you need to work at it. So as Dr. Rick Hansen says, the brain is like Velcro when it comes to negative experience, but it's like Teflon when it comes to positive experience. So we have to keep working it. We have to keep soaking in positive experiences. So how do we do that? Every time something good happens, notice it and notice it a bit more and pause and breathe into it and feel it. 
I go, wow, this positive experience right now, this feels really good. I feel so relaxed. I can feel my shoulders relaxing. I can feel the warmth of my skin or whatever it is. Or you might choose to take it into a journaling practice, you know, keep a, a gratitude journal, which is great for your sleep, great for your mental health. Um, or you might do it if you wake up during the night worrying about, you know, loved ones who we've lost or um, elderly parents who we haven't seen for over a year. You know, my mother always says, you know, don't, don't worry about me, pray for me. And optimism is a form of prayer. You know, so when we think optimistically or we send positive uh, thoughts out to people who are suffering, it's a form of prayer. And we can all learn how to do it just with those simple practices. Optimism is a form of prayer. I like it. I like it. Um, <clears throat> last question. So beyond kind of being present, getting good sleep, uh, recognizing the good things that are happening around you, diet, all those things. What is your, what have you got? Have you got any other really good tips for improving your energy levels when you're at work and also when you're at home? Yeah, I mean, I talk about my um, five non-negotiables for sleep, but actually they are my five non-negotiables for good energy as well. Um, and these are five things that I've been telling people for 20 odd years. Um, you know, if, if you want some quick wins, if you want to change a few things quite quickly to get some results with your energy, do these five things and it will make such an impact. It will make such a difference to your sleep and, and to how you're feeling, especially when you wake up in the morning. So what are these five things? The first thing is to... Um, Eat breakfast in the mornings if you're waking up with anxiety, if you're waking up depleted, but, you know, in a state of high alert, but still pressing the snooze button, it was tired, but wired. That was the title of my first book, by the way. Um, but, you know, the state of exhaustion, but wanting more sleep, but, but there's adrenaline going on. Then eat breakfast, because what that does is it re resets your nervous system. Now, if you're feeling peaceful, then you can do intermittent fasting because a lot of people are into the whole intermittent fasting thing without realizing that actually if you're running in stress mode, fasting is not necessarily a good thing for you. So eat breakfast within half an hour, include a source of protein in that breakfast. Don't rely on caffeine for your energy. So don't have your coffee or tea until you've eaten. Don't use caffeine as a substitute for food. Cut back on caffeine after three o'clock in the afternoon. No caffeine. Ideally, no more than two, two cups of tea or coffee a day, particularly if you're getting sleep problems or if you're in a real fatigue slump. Drink more water. Ideally, um, drinking about two liters of water a day. Herbal teas, hot water. I'm drinking hot water and lemon at the moment. Um, you know, dilute squash, dilute fruit juice, but not tea or coffee or alcohol, of course. Um, go to bed earlier a few nights a week, get into bed around 9.30, 10. You don't have to be asleep, but reading, reading a book, off technology. And that's my fifth point. Cultivate a healthy relationship with technology. Get your phone out of the bedroom. Don't let it be the last thing you look at before you go to sleep. The first thing you look at when you wake up first thing in the morning. Take breaks from technology during, during the day. So I talk about this in a, my TED talk right, called Come to Work and Rest, where I talk about building tech-free breaks into your day every 90 minutes or so. Get away from screens. Give yourself a recovery break, even just, just for a few minutes. Allow your brain and your working memory to empty so you come back to your task with renewed energy. Doing these five things... For seven to 21 days, people um, respond differently according to their physiology and um, their innate level of fitness. But um, seven to 21 days of doing this, you will notice difference to your energy levels and you'll notice a difference to your sleep patterns. Um, 
so that, that's that's what I'd love to give you. Um, but of course, you know, you can always go deeper. And I think for all of us, cultivating um, uh, a more conscious relationship with with ourselves um, and you know, the, the pandemic has made us all go inwards a bit more. And I think that's been a good thing. So check in with yourself, notice whether your thoughts are draining your energy or whether they're energizing you and cultivate a practice for changing that. Um, whether it's an optimism practice, a gratitude practice, compassion, kindness, or um, journaling, but start thinking more consciously about where you put your thoughts and the kind of thoughts you have, because that can powerfully influence your energy. Uh, Dr. Narina Ramlakant, fine advice, uh, pandemic or not. I think there's some really good tips there for just a, a better balance all in all in, in work and otherwise. So thanks ever so much for your time. And hopefully I will speak to you and have you back on the podcast soon.